Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode number 123. Our Sunday worship service for July 7th, 2019 is The Formula. It is the first in our series, Branching In. We can only have a life as good as the standards we set and accept for ourselves. So our scripture today, one of my favorites, and to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And in fact, let's say that one together. This is really important today. Together. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, this is especially important. I mean, the scripture is always important, of course. But this one is really important, and I really want us to get this one. That Romans 12, too, can get you through a lot of stuff because there's a lot of stuff in it. Some stuff that maybe you know already and some things that maybe haven't occurred to a lot of people. One of the things that comes out that I love is the idea that we're here to prove something. That's important. Action instead of passivity. But specifically what we're here to prove is that God's will for you is good. Think about what that means. I mean, think about the big hunk of religiosity and spirituality and God thinking (laughs) that just goes out the window because so much of people's time has been spent trying to get God to show up or trying to get God to like them. But if I'm here to tell you what the Bible has been telling us all along, and that is that God's will for you is good. You don't have to do a lot of the things that maybe you thought you had to do. God already likes you. (laughs) So let's take the pressure off. That's beautiful, and I want everybody to know that, but that's not the key part right now. The other part of that is do not be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by a renewing of your mind, which means that what goes on on the inside, that renewing of your mind, determines what you experience on the outside. A big hunk of how life works gets way easier. If you remember not to get caught up in other people's opinions or what's going on outside, but rather get centered on something that's going on on the inside of you. You make your connection with spirit. You have your conversation with God in your heart. And when you know that, something changes. That's a big deal. So much of the problems that people have have to do with the confusion of cause and effect. That's huge, and I want people to know that, but that ain't the thing either. There's something else going on. And it's something that I think is really important because in our culture, we're so caught up in getting ready for something that a lot of people never actually do anything. How many people have got a five-year plan, ain't started day one of it? How many people think you're done as soon as you have your to-do list? Did you do anything on it? No, I invented a lot of empty things. I answered a lot of emails. I took out the garbage, even though that wasn't on the list. Great to take out the garbage. But man, oh man, there's a lot of people that are racking up a lot of garbage in their hearts that they never touch. Having a plan isn't the whole thing. And we live in a readiness culture. I went, when I was a kid, I used to play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, you know, the role-playing game where you, you pretend like you're a barbarian or a wizard or a whatever it is, stockbroker, I guess, whatever it is. 
and you spend your time, you're rolling your dice, and you get to decide what your dude looks like and what his name is and where he's been and, and what his powers are and what kind of gear he has. And it's so much fun to make your character that I didn't actually play the game very much. I was so excited about creating the guy that I was going to pretend to be. And then when I got done with that, I'd make another one. I didn't play the game much. Life is that game in a way. So many people spend a lot of time crafting a persona and making sure they've got a perfect Instagram version of their life that they never actually do the thing. Now, readiness is important. It says a little bit about what you're into. I used to travel a lot, and when I would travel to California, I noticed that everybody there was dressed like at any moment they'd be invited to go hiking. <laughs> it says a lot about their personality, and it also says that those aren't my people. But when I travel to the Midwest, I notice that everyone there is dressed like they might be invited to an all-you-can-eat buffet at any moment. Those are my people. <laughs> Readiness is really important. It says something, but it's not everything. In our culture, we've invented a thing called athleisure. Have you heard of athleisure? Athletic leisure. The idea is I'm going to wear clothes that look like I know where the gym is, but I ain't going. <laughs> You've seen it. We've gotten to a place in our culture where it doesn't matter if you know how to do crunches as long as you wear the outfit of the guy that does crunches. I'm going to eat some crunches. <laughs> hmm. I think something's getting lost in the shuffle. I don't know about you, but I've heard people uh, try to get out of a fight by saying, I was fixing to do it. I was getting ready to. I was going to tell you the truth. I was going to do that thing that I was supposed to do. I was fixing to stand up for myself or to stand up for you or to do the right thing. I was fixing to. I was going to. Doesn't that count that I was fixing to do it? No. <laughs> it doesn't count. Because here's the thing. Fixing doesn't actually fix anything. If you stay in a place of fixing to, everything stays broken. Readiness is not the whole thing. Put on another level, if God is already here, then it's time to stop talking in terms of what is going to happen, what used to happen, and things like that. If God is already here, if the kingdom of heaven is in your midst and all of that stuff, it means that there's no going to be on the path. You're on a path. It just might not be the path you want to be on. It's not a matter of someday I'm going to get on that diet. You're on a diet. It might just be that the diet you're on right now involves Twinkies. You're on a diet. You're on a path. You're on a journey. Let's stop planning for someday when the ship comes in and the lottery ticket happens and I get my ship together. <laughs> Have to be careful about that one. But you know what I mean. Let's stop talking in terms of eventualities because we are in the presence of eternity. So that piece of scripture that says, don't be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by a renewing of your mind, the secret part of it that sometimes people miss is that what it's saying is you are already determining your experience on the outside by virtue of what you have going on on the inside right now. What's going on there is that you're already on this path. You're already doing it because God is already here. The secret that makes life work is knowing it. You don't got to get on a path. You're on a path. The secret is being aware of it. The secret, this is the key word for today, is consciousness. 
consciousness? Are you aware? Not just intellectually, but rather, what's in your bones? What are you participating in? What is in your consciousness? That's the whole thing. That really is the whole thing. And it's something that has been going on your whole life. From when the moment you arrived on this planet, you have become an amazing computer. You are constantly taking in information and making decisions that determine what's going to happen next. You decide right away to start putting your playbook together of what is acceptable behavior and what's not. When you're a little kid, one of the reasons I like hanging out with little kids is because you can see them sizing you up. They look at you like, remember the Terminator movies and they're just sort of analyzing everything? I think that's how kids see. But when you're little, you decide, wait a minute, when I act this way, I get good results. People smile and they clap and they laugh and they like that. And when I do these things, I get excluded from things and I don't get to play in the reindeer games and things don't work out. You start making choices left and right and this is good and this is not good. And sooner than you think, that playbook gets created. And everyone is working according to a set of rules that they are continually revising and evaluating and putting together. You are designed to create this playbook. But the thing is, most people aren't aware that that's what they're doing. But one of the things that that means is it's not especially helpful to get mad at somebody for not acting in integrity. Now, I'm not saying it's OK. I'm not saying we're going to let people tell fibs and not be honest and all that. I'm not saying that we're, not going to, we're going to let it slide. But I'm saying it's not especially helpful to be mad about it. I'm not really going to help anything if I'm mad at you for not being an integrity. Because the truth is, you probably are an integrity with your set of rules. I'm the problem because I'm trying to get you to behave in my way, according to my rules. That's the problem. And when you think about it, Everything that, that people do tends to reinforce the way that they already feel. If I get mad at you because of your rule book that's weird, you're going to get down even closer into that rule book and hang on to it even tighter. The way that you feel causes you to create evidence. If I tell you, for example, nobody get mad at me here, it's just a hypothetical. If I tell you, for example, that I believe that everyone who is over six feet tall is a bad person, well, that's a ridiculous thing to say, but you know what? Racism is ridiculous, no matter where it comes from. But if I tell you that, if that's how I feel, you know that I'm going to walk around finding examples. Oh, look at that tall person that did a weird thing. And I'm not even going to talk about professional basketball. You know what I mean? And in fact, if a tall person is nice to me, I'm going to go, well, that's what they would do. You know what I mean? When you have your rule book, everything you do will validate that rule book. So getting mad at somebody about it isn't going to change anything. Telling them to quit it isn't going to change anything. The only thing that can happen is when that person changes their mind. That's what the scripture is about. It's all about consciousness. The prodigal son makes a super weird choice. He leaves a really great Robin Leach level situation, dating myself. He leaves a really great MTV Cribs kind of situation. Better? A little. little, slightly. Is there even MTV anymore? He puts all his 8-track tapes away, and then, <laughs> but he makes a weird choice. And then everything he does keeps him going down that road. He continues to follow the materialism of it, the selfishness of it, the greed of it, until he decides. And it gets really bad if you know the story. Until he goes, you know what, wait a minute. What am I doing? I'm going to go home. 
Everything changes, not when somebody else tells him. Remember, his daddy didn't go get him. His daddy's been waiting for him all the time. Your daddy's been waiting for you all the time. He's got to decide. It's all about what's in your consciousness. And so you can't really help things by getting mad at somebody or by trying to force them. All you can do is inspire them and show them that there are other options. And that's why when anybody reaches out in any way, even if what they're doing seems odd or funny or incomplete, who cares? When anybody reaches out in any way, let's be the kind of people that clap for that, that applaud that, and that help, let me help you out of that. Even if what you seem to want right now doesn't match up with what I want for you. Because anything you do that tries to get out of the hole is a good thing. It'll get you somewhere. Everything, this is what we talk about in the book and something that I talk about a lot in what I do, everything is a MacGuffin. You know that word, a MacGuffin? You've heard me use it before. It's one of my favorites. It's in the Dieter Randolph lexicon. A MacGuffin is a movie word. It's an Alfred Hitchcock word. It's the thing in the plot of a movie that drives the plot along, but it actually doesn't really matter. Like the transit papers in Casablanca, I can't remember who gets them and where they go. It doesn't matter. It gets everybody there, then you go forward. It's the, suit, the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. You never even get to see what's inside it. Or it's the trunk in Repo Man. It's, the, it's the, the Maltese Falcon in the Maltese Falcon. You don't really care about it. It just gets all the characters in the same room moving in a direction, and then you can forget about it. It's the diamond necklace in Titanic. It's real important for about 30 seconds at the beginning of the movie. And then more, most of the movie is about trying to forgive Leonardo DiCaprio for not being a very good actor. <laughs> he got better. He gets better. Just in that movie, not so good. That's what I got from the movie. There's room on the door for everybody. Anyway, what I'm saying is everything is a MacGuffin. It's okay if the way that you get to health is not a complete solution. So many people wait for the perfect system and the perfect idea and the perfect diet. Just do something. Eat a leaf of kale. Do a thing. It's a MacGuffin. It'll get you somewhere. As long as you are open-minded about it. As long as you demand functionality. So don't settle. Don't just stay in a system forever. Get to the place where you start going, wait, does this continue to feed my heart? Does this continue to create a functional life? Because some systems only get you a little ways. Be ready to change cars at a certain point. Keep your mind open. The thing that keeps you from the cycle of self-help book and self-help book and self-help book and diet and diet and diet, the thing that lets you get off of that treadmill is deciding that my answers aren't out there but rather in here. Do not be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by a renewing of your mind. In other words, the key is consciousness. What's in your bones? And as we wrote this book and we talked about that idea, we started to realize that a lot of people have created a rule book, a playbook that's based on the power being somewhere else. And so we wanted to look at that. And... There's a lot of ways you can see if you got that going on. And so I wanted to pull up what we call the old formula. Look at that. Don't take these to heart, please. <laughs> Boy, this would be the worst time to take something out of context. This is not going on Instagram, boys and girls. But if you've got these kind of rules going on, it might be time to make a different choice. So that first one, you are wrong. Think about how many systems start with the idea that you are basically wrong. How many self-help books go, oh, well, you're just doing it wrong. How many churches? 
start you from the basis of you're always wrong, you're going to be wrong, it's always going to be wrong, don't expect it to ever be right. And I guess that's the problem. Because you only get what you put out there. And so if I come from a place of wrongness, I am always going to be wrong. But it's not just churches. How many commercials tell you you're waxing your floor the wrong way? The example that I use in the book is there's a commercial on late at night for some kind of oil you're supposed to put in your hair. Looking at me, you know I'm not using the oil. But there's something you're supposed to put in your hair, and the commercial says, if you're shampooing your hair, you're doing it wrong. You've got to use this thing. It's oil, and it makes a salad on your head. I don't know what it's supposed to do. Because I know that it's bad. I know that it's a dumb thing, and that's why it's not available in stores. And yet, I've seen the commercial enough times to where I can't tell you how many times I've been in the shower doing the shampoo thing and going, ooh, I wonder if I'm damaging my hair. And I can't afford much of that. But you know what I mean? The idea is that there is an art to making you feel so wrong that you run to the solution. It's a great way to control people, but it is no way to empower people. Another thing that comes up a lot is this reliance on some kind of distant authority where the teachings are only good if they came from this distant person, this ascended master, this channeled medium. This, the coffee is only good if it comes from Juan Valdez. It's only good if it comes from somewhere else. And in fact, the obsession with the distant is so pervasive that sometimes it doesn't even matter if the person says something goofy as long as it's from somewhere else. Think about how many times somebody told you it was good because it's from far away. Even then you try it and you're like, I don't think it's good, but then the emperor's new clothes thing kicks in. Oh, it must be good. It's from Europe. <laughs> this self-help book must be amazing. These are ancient Toltec teachings. Yeah, but they didn't sell it for $12.95, did they? Wait a minute, somebody's lying. You know what I mean? If my power has got to come from somewhere far away, it's never exactly where it needs to be. But that's why that next thing comes up, that reliance on method. How many times have you gone to a church and they say, well, you know, if you have enough faith, you'll be healed. And you go, my life doesn't work. And they go, well, you don't have enough faith. Your fault. How many times is a diet, oh, well, uh-oh, you looked at Cracker Jacks. You have failed. Your fault. Why did I pull up Cracker Jacks? They are great. The prize, not so much anymore. Um, but you know what I mean? The reliance on the method. The method is more important than you. So ask yourself, of your church, of your relationships, of your job, of your situation, of your conversation, what is the priority? Is the rules more important, or is what I have going on in my heart more important? And as you know that, remembering the Bible says the laws are written on your heart. So we know how God feels about it. Decide for yourself what's more important, what's on the inside or what's on the outside. And you will decide if the thing that you're subscribing to is healthy or not. Because ultimately, all of these systems have an element of world denial, like we're here to escape. Think about the logical backflip that that is. I'm here to not be here. If you're really good at being here, you get to not be here and go to heaven. If you're really good at being here, you get to not be here and go to nirvana. If you're really good at not being here, you get to go away. Has that ever worked for you? Have you really been grounded in a thing in order to escape? I would argue that if you've always got one foot out the door, you're never going to make a difference where you are. And you know it's true. If you're trying to get away, you're not going to make it better. 
Think about how many times, and once again, this is not just a church thing. It happens a lot in church, but think about how many times a business that you've been involved in or someplace that you know, a corporate whatever, where everybody in that building is trying to get out of that building. If I'm here long enough, I get to not be here anymore. I can get promoted or I can retire and I don't have to do this thing. Does it tend to create a healthy situation? Can you imagine being married to somebody and going, as soon as I really get this love thing figured out, I'm out of here? Not good. And in fact, I would argue that in the history of corporate malfeasance, every bad thing that has ever happened is because everybody in the room was trying to get out of the room instead of engaging. So look out for world denial. Look out for escape. Because world denial ends up leading to self-denial. And once again, this circle has come all the way back around. And the idea is, I'm no good. And you know that happens in churches sometimes. But it also happens in relationships. You ever been in a relationship that was based on one person being better than the other person? I bet you're not in that relationship anymore. You know what I mean? How many jobs? How many situations? But if you start out being no good, you're going to stay being no good. And so it's a wonderful thing when people go, wait a minute, you know what? I believe this is killing me. It's a wonderful thing, to quote Billy Joel. It's a wonderful thing when you go, wait a minute, this ain't working for me anymore. In fact, I don't want to see that. Yeah, thank you. It's a wonderful thing when we rebel. But we got to be careful about that rebellion, geographical cures being what they are. I can't tell you how many times I've seen somebody go, I quit that church because it told me I was wrong because the only answers were from some distant land. It didn't apply to my life right here because the rules were more important than, than what I had in my heart because it told me that my world was a bad place and because it told me I was a bad person. And so I quit that church. But I've seen the people take that same set of attitudes and apply it to their job. I've seen people take that same set of attitudes and reply it to their, their relationship, the political situation, what they see on the news, and on and on and on and on and on, and it's exhausting. Something has to change, and it has nothing to do with changing the nouns. The key is owning it. The key, I'm going to say it again, is consciousness. What are you aware of? What are you conscious of? What's in your bones? So what if we look at this in a slightly different way? What if... <laughs> Thank you. No, no, that was, that, was a little, that was a little obscure, that little genie gesture there. What if... I'm going to start saying like Alakazam. Blammo! What if... You're right. Just think, take it with me for a minute. What if you're right... It's not a great way to sell shampoo, but I'm not selling shampoo. What if you're right? I'm not saying you know everything. Everything's a big word, but I'll bet you you know something. What if you're right? What if all of those things that somebody told you about how you are no good, we can get done with that? Because the fact that you want good, the fact that you want happiness, blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, the fact that you want justice, that you want to grow, that you want to get over it, is proof that God is here for you. Who put that there, that desire to grow and change? There's something in you that is worth it. That's all I'm saying. And if we're going to be healthy, we got to start from there. There is something in you that is worth growth and change. There is something in you that's worth a life that works. 
Start out with that. And if you start out with that, then you can listen to your heart. It doesn't have to come from an exotic land. It's not some weird channeled entity. I don't believe in that. God's here. But we don't even have to get mystical about it. When I say listen to your heart, you know as well as I do that about a hundred times a day, you go, oh, I knew I should have. I knew I shouldn't have. I knew I should have gotten my keys. I knew I shouldn't have called that guy before I went out the door because it was going to be a 20-minute conversation. I knew I should have blah, 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 blah. How many times? It turns out you know what you're supposed to do. Listen to your heart. Now, I get it. We're not trained for it. In fact, we're told that what's in our heart isn't any good, so we're supposed to not listen, so it's going to take some practice. But you know something. Learn how to listen, and together in the coming weeks, we're going to get good at this, guys. But along the way, I could give you a shortcut. This is right out of Star Wars. Trust your feelings, Luke. Because whether or not you're able to intellectualize on a specific set of instructions, you know when something hurts and when it doesn't. Trust your feelings. You know that there are things that inspire you. Do those things. Not complicated. You know there are things that hurt. This is complicated. You ready? Quit doing those things. <laughs> That's it. Now, I get it. There is a difference between growing pains with a good, healthy thing when we get out of our comfort zone. There's a difference between growing pains and what I'm going to call warning pains. We're going to get really good at knowing the difference. But I can tell you right now that if you put your hand on something hot, your body knows to get out of there. It's amazing how bad some people are at putting their heart on something painful and just leaving it to simmer. We're going to quit that now. You know better. You know when something hurts. You know when something inspires. And we're going to learn how to follow that into something. It turns out you have what it takes. And it turns out the world is a place worthy of you. What happens if we show up with a broom? <laughs> instead of a packed suitcase. What happens if we care? That's all I'm saying. I'm not here to solve world hunger and cure cancer and do all those things, but I can help. So can you. But that help only happens when we decide that this world is worth it. Now remember, to, I would say to those people who are trying to escape every five seconds, I would say, remember, Jesus showed up. Remember, Jesus healed people instead of telling them it was appropriate to be sick. Let's show up. This world is worth us participating in it. Because that last thing, you are worth cleaning it. You are worth a life that works. You're made out of love. You're created by the author of love. Doesn't that follow then that you deserve love? But even more importantly than that, you deserve to love something. You are the salt and the light. You are the child of God who looked at you and said, in you I am well pleased. You are that. That doesn't mean you don't have any growing to do. It doesn't mean that everything you do smells like roses. Use your imagination. But it does mean that you're capable. It does mean that you're powerful. It does mean that what you choose can change the world. It does mean that you have what it takes. Now look, if I throw you a ball, you can catch the ball. I won't throw it hard, don't worry. If I throw you the ball, you can catch the ball. Now, you can go to school and get a PhD in the physics involved in the arc of that ball as it spins and 
cuts a path through the air. You can get a PhD in the biology and the mechanics of your arm. You can think about the psychology of why I'd throw a ball in the first place. You can go to college for the rest of your life. Ain't going to make you any better at catching that ball when I throw it. I suppose it doesn't hurt anything, but it's super easy to miss the point when I just want to play catch. You have what it takes already. The path of your arm to meet that ball describes volumes, universities, eternities. You have what it takes right now, and it's as simple as a game of catch. We're going to get really good at this, because that's the final thing. That's the last question for today. Does this make me good at life? Let's be the kind of people that ask that question of the relationship that you're in with that, that special somebody. Does this make you good at life? Or is it bumming you out? This job, does it make you good at life? Or are you just marking time until somebody can tell you you don't have to come back anymore? Does this make me good at life? Because you are allowed to be good at your life when Jesus showed up and talked to the disciples who were fishing. He said, I'm going to make you better at this. He told them where to catch fish. And he even uplifted that and said, I'm going to take what you already know how to do and apply it to something so much bigger you can't even imagine. He didn't tell the sick people that they were bad for wanting to be well. He didn't tell the hungry people that they were bad for wanting some loaves and fish. This path is supposed to make you good at life. And boys and girls, we are going to get so good at this that we can change things in our lives. We are going to get so good at this that we can change things in our hearts. We are going to get so good at this that we can find out how to make a world that works for everybody in it. Because that's what we all deserve. Because that's what God wants for you. The will of God is good and acceptable and perfect. All we got to do is change our mind. All we got to do is agree. The fact that you want love means you're worthy of love. The fact that you want life makes you worthy of healing. The fact that you're over it means you're worthy of freedom. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do, based on what you've heard, can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person. Our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.